Matthew here from the SDGC, here with Chris King from Battery Staple Games. Talking about 30XX, how are you today? Oh, doing just fine, thanks. How about yourself? I'm doing well. How has your uh, PAX Online TDS gauntlet been going so far? Yeah, it's been good. You know, the, the digital showcase circuit is sort of uh, a new beast for us to kind of wrap our heads around, uh, but we're, we're pretty pleased with how it's going so far. Well, we are uh, just going to kind of jump into the demo, your pre-alpha, your very pre-alpha build demo. Very pre-alpha, yeah. Now, question, uh, is this alpha demo purely the roguelike uh, aspect, or have you instigated mega mode into it? It is purely the roguelike aspect. So one of the interesting things for us about sort of starting to talk more about mega mode after our announcement maybe two weeks ago now, I think, uh, is that mode itself doesn't necessarily show super well in sort of a really like tightly packed demo like this um you know since it's only two levels uh, you don't really get the full feel of the, the the missing permadeath in the same level generation we might demo it once uh just because uh those were a little closer to early access uh but for now just the arcade mode well i just from a personal standpoint uh i want to thank you because permadeath is probably the reason that roguelikes as a genre don't really grab me as much even though i love 20xx and it was one of the few that i stuck with but the announcement of mega mode instantly shot 30xx up into the stratosphere of, of excitement for me so oh, that's I, outstanding best news. That, uh it, it i'm gonna pretend you did it for me personally but thank you yeah so i mean maybe much. we did right you I don't mean, know we didn't no one can prove me otherwise yeah there you go yeah, uh, you know, we know that there are a lot of players who uh, really like the game's visuals, love the game's game feel, and really want to be able to sort of, you know, enjoy this kind of game the way that they're used to this kind of game playing. Uh, and so we, we added the Mega Mode uh, kind of as an extent of 20XX's uh, Revenant Mode, or Reverent Mode, rather. Oop, spoke. Uh, so in <laughs> Reverent Mode in 20XX, you get three lives to sort of make it through the full arcade gauntlet, uh, but there's no kind of, like, full permadeath-free solution there. Uh, and so we want people to be able to engage with and enjoy 30XX, however it's fun to them. Uh, and so here's Mega Mode. That, that's so awesome to me. But right off the bat, the first thing I noticed is, is uh, the, the new visuals of this. Yeah. What was the uh, decision to switch from the more, I guess, I don't want to call it hand-drawn, but go into the more pixel art? Uh, you know, we've always just kind of felt like uh, our game belongs in this kind of really high-quality pixel art style. Uh, we got really lucky uh, in Defiance, our art director, uh, Glover Kotaki. Uh, we saw him post just, uh, it was like a tweet toward the end of, uh, of like October 2018, uh, saying he had a couple hours in his schedule, and at the time we were kind of working on a couple of other things. Uh, and we figured, hey, uh, maybe this would be uh, a really great fit for us. Let's sort of explore a little bit uh, and see if we might want to work together. And so we sort of spent a little time at the end of 2018, early 2019, prototyping a couple of different things, sort of saying, you know, how, you know, do we like working together? Do we think there's some some legs here of, of doing something cool? Uh, and after all that, we just decided to, to go on ahead and 30XX. There's so much more that we wanted to kind of do with the foundations we built with the first game uh, that really it just sort of made sense for us to sort of build on a full sequel. It, uh, I, I, I love the art style because if there's one thing I'm a sucker for, high quality pixel art games. Um, like well, most you are. just for this year alone, I think like games like Star Renegades and Crosscode have really done it for me. Nice, 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 so, nice. Yeah, I just got it, into Crosscode on uh, on Game Pass a little while ago. It's good stuff. Exactly, and you are as much as I've I love the first 20XX. Just seeing the graphical. 
I don't want to call it an upgrade, but change makes it feel very, like you said, in the vein of, of the kind of homage and experience you're going for. Right. We think it's a combination of a wonderful fit for the material and just really high quality visuals in general. Uh, and so we're, we're super happy to be where we are now. Now, uh, how long has this game been in development? It kind of depends on how you measure. So Glover and I started to prototype this and a few other titles, uh, you know, almost two years ago now, right? Like we're, we're at the end of September 2020. Uh, we started poking around at that uh, the end of October 2018, but uh, we haven't had the full team together for more than about a year. So it's been about a year, you know, sort of full bore, everybody that we want to hire hired moving forward like that. Now, uh, has the team size increased from X20 to 30? Yeah, so one of the things that uh, I'm really happy about this time around, so with, with 20XX, it was our first commercial game. Uh, we didn't really know what the heck we were doing. Uh, very, you know, relatively scrappy, kind of lower on resources. Uh, I ended up doing, you know, almost everything in the game that wasn't visual or audio related myself. Uh, and I'm super happy to be able to say this time around, uh, we have people that are much better suited for that work than me uh, doing a bunch of that stuff. Uh, so level design is a, is a wonderful example here. Uh, 20XX's level designs are serviceable. They're not bad. Uh, and I get to throw them a little bit under the bus because I made them, so it's just me. Uh, but this time around, we've got uh, a couple of level designers doing most of this stuff for us uh, that are doing wonderful th uh, new things with sort of the, the game's capacity for kind of with through its own mechanics uh, and also helping us sort of build, you know, sort of better level generation systems in the first place. That's and awesome. so it's super exciting having them on board. Yeah, there are, it sort of depends on how you measure since, you know, some of us are part time, some of us only work on the, the product a couple of hours a week. You know, we're somewhere like nine, ten people total now. So is this uh, one of the scenarios where you guys have just all been working remotely from different areas or do you yep. work in a central location? Now uh, we've always been fully remote. So Battery Staple has always been a remote team. Uh, we, you know, it's kind of an advantage during the whole Corona period that for us it wasn't, you know, obviously everybody kind of has a, has a personal adjustment to Corona, not being able to see their friends, not being able to see their family, dealing with uh, all the other complications that can arise from, you know, not being able to sort of go about your normal routine. But from a purely professional standpoint, you know, we're relatively unaffected. We're, you know, we're financially stable. We were already remote. So part of Battery Staples sort of studio strategy to date uh, has been to, to form these, these remote teams specifically because it gives us a much broader sort of access to, to candidates. Um, you know, there's no way we could have the team we have working on this game if we needed everybody to be in a central location. Uh, so our art director is in uh, Sao Paulo, uh, Brazil. Uh, oh, wow. We have three team members uh, who live in Germany. Uh, we have investment partners who live in Hong Kong. Uh, we're really all over the place at this point. Uh, and so it's sort of really core to the way we do business. So I guess you could say it's a uh, staple of your business strategy. You could say that. You could say okay. that. Uh, <sighs> but but you wish I didn't. No, oh, no. I'm very happy with what you've done. So one uh, one aspect I've been really excited about is just the, the new bosses, because your boss fights were always so much fun in the original. How do you uh, balance the, the quote-unquote true boss fights with the mini bosses, which I seem to have encountered right now? Man, that's a great question. Um, so one of, the, one of the things we're doing differently in terms of 30xx's bosses uh, is trying to give each boss uh, kind of two sort of hallmark unique points from the rest of the boss cast. Uh, one of them is kind of a, a unique way the player sort of needs to interact 
with the fight in order to succeed. Something like at least one thing about it that's you know relatively stand out that the player's doing that they aren't usually doing. Uh, and the other uh, is some kind of sort of unique player agency uh, that defines uh, a couple of the ways that the player can kind of interact with the boss fight. Uh, so an example here uh, in Clock Zone, one of the uh, one of the levels in this demo. Uh, the, the boss is Lethal Tempo, a big sort of clockwork uh, structure with sort of four active like clockwork faces uh, that are sort of vertically stacked on top of one another. Uh, they, have a, they have an array of attacks that they rotate through, uh, and only heads that are still alive will attack the player. But for every head that's destroyed, uh, the other head's attacks will become more intense. And so the player has to decide, once they sort of grasp the mechanics of the fight, they have to sort of develop a strategy for themselves that says, what order do I want to DPS these down in? Do I want to finish one of these off really quickly so that I kind of have a safe zone out of the four? Or do I kind of want to whittle them down evenly? And so the player kind of has some, some choice about how to tackle the boss based on their personal preference and their current loadout and their build. Uh, and so we that's kind of the goal with each boss. And if to sort of come back to the difference between a boss and a mini boss in this context, uh, you know, mini bosses should do something the rest of the game isn't fully doing, or at least something, you know, not fully repetitive of, of sort of what's going on earlier in the game or in the earlier in the level. Um, and they sort of serve as, you know, sort of individual events that take place in the middle of the stage that sort of serve as sort of set piece moments for that level, um, but don't necessarily have the full sort of like depth of abilities or depth of play that a full on boss does. Well, uh, how many have you? Are you going above the standard uh, number of eight for the bosses, or is that a surprise? Um, it's not necessarily a surprise. So for 1.0, we probably are talking about the standard eight. Uh, one of the big differences this time around at 30xx uh, is that each boss has his own unique theme this time. So in 20xx, every pair of bosses shared one theme. For example, the you know uh, flame lab level in 20xx could either be the big roll through wheel boss or it could be uh, the big turret boss uh, that would sort of right. spin around and fire tons of blow. Uh, and you, so you'd have to play through that level's theme twice every time you play through the game. In 30XX, every boss has their own entirely unique theme this time around. So there's no, there's no repetition, there's no duplication of themes in a single run. So there's a lot more sort of mechanical uh, variance between uh, each run, since you're not playing through the same set of mechanics twice in a run. Now, how, how did you go about just trying to... I feel like on, on roguelike games, especially where your, your your powers and your purchases and everything can be so varied, that balancing could be a, logis a logistical nightmare. How have, have you decided to try and keep it strict or are you kind of letting gamers go wild and break the game as they say fit? Yeah, you know, balance is sort of an interesting topic for these kinds of games because on one hand, so some amount of balance is important. Uh, it's important that they're not be certain loadouts that are virtually impossible uh, and it is important that there aren't individual upgrades or power-ups that are so so good on their own as just a one-off that they sort of guarantee that the player succeeds because it sort of makes the player feel like oh you know they feel really great the first time they get it and then they just sort of feel from then on out that their performance in the game depends on whether or not they find that item and not whether or not they played well uh, whereas we really want balance to sort of feel balance and RNG should feel much more like a like a broadly sliding scale, like a like a sort of a, a really smooth spectrum. Uh, you know, it's totally okay for 
different combinations of items to be much better than others. It's totally okay to have really powerful synergies. If you have two or three kinds of items that do really well with one another, that's a-okay with us. As long as it's not sort of an individual one-off item, as long as we don't have certain runs that, you know, or certain pieces that are so important that you basically just, you know, lose or can't perform anywhere near as well without them. So balance is a little bit important in that it's important to knock out sort of massive outliers on both sides of the equation. Uh, but other than that, you know, the it's not a, you know, it's not a competitive game other than the leaderboards, the seated leaderboards for the challenges, which of course are the same for every player every day anyway. Uh, and so even if you have, you know, some wildly powerful runs and some really weak challenge runs, at least everybody's dealing with the same toolbox that day. So it's not that big of a thing. Right. Um, and, you know, it's important basically to knock out the outliers, but the rest of it's just not that important. That's all. Well, I, I, I like that uh, mentality because some games, they they balance it to the point where, I don't know, it takes some of the, the, the fun and discovery out of it. Absolutely. When everything feels about the same power level, the yeah. you know fun of exploring all of it is kind of really dampened, right? You know, you want... So one of the things that we kind of... One of our design sort of philosophies here is maximizing the impact of player knowledge and player decisions. So the core moment-to-moment -moment gameplay in a game like this is always going to be this, you know, crisp moment-to-moment -moment execution, this precision platforming in combat, right? But under the hood there, there's so much important player decision-making that needs to happen to really be successful there. And we always want to sort of seek to maximize what the player is able to do, what they know about the game with what they've learned. And so seeing this kind of you know gamut of of power potential for different item combinations and loadouts uh gives the player a lot of room to express their knowledge so if you know everything is about the same power level those decisions become meaningless and so all of that kind of goes out the window another question i have is that you, the the influence of mega man x and zero specifically really shine through but how uh, how much do you plan versus uh, I don't know how much you can talk about Mega Mode, but in the the standard, what carries over from permadeath to permadeath? Because these games live and die on the ability that you or the feeling that you have progress through your runs. How do you balance that between the Mega Mode where everything I buy like right now would stay with me throughout my game? Yeah, it's kind of this is a great question. So both modes of playing the game have approximately the same per run augment density, the same approximate number uh, of power-ups that you could theoretically get in a single run. Uh, it's just a matter of, in Mega Mode, you know, the death will, you know, not remove all you have and you'll get to keep it. Uh, there's theoretically a slightly higher cap in Mega Mode uh, for, you know, sort of nitty-gritty or gritty reasons I don't really want to dig into and so I probably shouldn't have mentioned it. Uh, but uh, we also plan to have... <laughs> but I didn't hear anything. Of, uh, perfect. I love it. Uh, so there or permanent progression uh, systems in play for both modes of the game. And so every time you start a new mega mode run, the intent is really that your first completion is is the beginning of your experience with 30XX, not the end. And so there are lots of permanent upgrades you can purchase both in between and during your mega mode runs that will apply now and also for every run after now. Uh, so when you start a fresh mega mode run, it takes all of your permanent upgrades into account. And so as you become more powerful, uh, as you unlock new ways to sort of interact with the game's uh, information, new ways to sort of make decisions, which is really what a lot of our sort of power-up progression system is like in 30XX. There's a little bit of sort of real permanent power, you know, objectively start with more health, start, start with a little bit of money, you know, start with a little energy, stuff like that. Right. But most of it is really in the form of 
new sort of ways of interacting with the game, new ways of sort of using your knowledge to, to benefit you. Uh, a big example of this for us is uh, one of the early unlocks in the, uh, the that's our permanent progression system uh, is called the salvage. Uh, and what the salvager circuit does uh, is every single time you come across an aug or a power-up of any kind, uh, there is a sort of secondary salvage benefit you can get from the item if you don't want to take it. So it might be max health, it might be max energy, it might be some money, it might be some core points which let you equip more of these powerful core augments that change the way your character behaves. Uh, and so basically every time you unlock one of these new systems, you sort of gain new ways of sort of getting decision points in the game that will overall benefit you instead of just being a, you know, I'm going to continue to get more health and more damage until I can like steamroll the game. Well, thank you very much for all that. <laughs> I was also distracted by the fact that I totally beat that boss without dying on my first try. So Mashed it. I'm pretty sure that's that's uh, the first time we've ever seen that happen. Feel free uh -huh. not to correct me. No, um, you're crushing it. Uh, so one thing I, I've always wanted to ask uh, you all specifically is one of the things that always stu stuck out for me about 20XX, and it's part of why I, I, I bit the bullet and first tried you out, uh, besides being a lifelong Mega Man fan, is your constant presence at PAX. It felt like every year 20XX was just there. It was a staple of the show. Yeah. Have you found that uh, uh, your trade show presence has been part of your overall marketing method or yeah, are you looking for 30xx to look at more traditional means i guess uh you know we're definitely we're, we're pulling out all the stops here for 30xx you know we have a lot we're doing outside of just the show circuit but yeah the show circuit was definitely a, a pretty big piece of our overall uh strat for for 20xx you know it's hard to say exactly where the value immediately comes from. You never know when. So PAX is definitely responsible for some of our early industry connections. It's definitely responsible for a lot of the friendships I've made in the industry, which you know carry a lot of sort of personal value to me and make a, a lot more you know satisfying to continue doing, right? So there's a lot of value there, even if it's not necessarily converted directly into 20XX sales. But you never know when like a certain, you know, a certain person you meet at one of these shows might end up sort of helping you secure a stream down the line, like a, the very first big stream we got for 20XX was uh, was Man vs. Game trying it out at like, it was like two in the morning my time when somebody <laughs> pinged me about it going live. Uh, and that basically happened because we met uh, Tyler Glale at uh, PAX that year and he had introduced us to Man vs. Game and said, you should try his game. And then he did. And you never know when all that stuff is gonna kinda click and come together. Uh, so, you know, you show your game, you get it in front of your fans, you get the nice morale boost of seeing people really, you know, engage with and love your work. Uh, and along the way, you know, some of it eventually, you know, turns into something valuable, but we've kind of found, especially with how much we've we've done it, you know, we just sort of go uh, and be our genuine selves. You know, we go to some of the parties, some of the networky kinds of things, uh, but really we just, we sort of go to PAX and what happens, happens. I mean, PAX is just so good for that kind of stuff. It really we, is. Uh, I, I, I want to just, as a, as a side note, let you know that I tried so, we tried so hard to, to come and like give you coverage at PAX East, you know, right before the whole world went to hell. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but it was just, uh, the 30XX booth was just a nonstop. It was so hard. Like, that it was, was so a packed. time. Yeah. I have, which, which, yeah. I've never given that many interviews in my life. Um, that was a lot. It was a very, very enjoyable set weekend uh you know it was wonderful having the 
you know, as the first time we'd revealed the game, it was incredible getting that level of reception from, from both fans and from people critically who knew about the original 20XX and hadn't really played it. Uh, and they would always come by and kind of say, you know, I don't know why, but I never really attached to 20XX, but I'm really digging what you're doing here. And the more of that we hear, the more validated we feel about the decisions that have, you know, sort of brought us to where we are now. Well, that that's like I had to do a take when I realized that there was a three in front of the name finally. Right, 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 right. I still in interviews, I will sometimes still say 20 when I mean 30. Uh, it's it's really bad, and I should probably stop doing it. Well, no, it's it's the video game equivalent of like in the new year, you're still going to write 2019 for the first month. Yeah, that's true. I actually, this is this is kind of horrifying. Both watching you do that, we should really make him not shootable until the end. Uh, but I was going to say, I, like, wow, I, he's just sitting there. Man, yeah, I was I was filling out a form for something like last week, and I I completely wrote 2019 on it as the date, and I was like, wait. Wait, no, it's September of 2020. It stopped being 2019 that, literally nine months ago. That's, man, that's not good. I should get yeah, some but, sleep. But that's, no, that's just wishful thinking that it wasn't actually 2020 right now. Right? That's yeah, all. okay. That's, I'll, all that's, it is. that's actually probably it. Yeah, just just take it like that. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes that makes a ton of sense. So, I obviously, we can't really get into the, the, the nitty, oh, no, uh, the nitty-gritty of when this game is, is actually launching, but could you ballpark the percentage that you feel it is done? I know, obviously, game development can take a turn at any time, but yeah, I just need um, to know when I can get this in my veins. So, we're going to say, in terms of overall completion, which I would describe as the distance between here and 1.0, I don't know, probably half half or so, maybe a little more than half. Okay. Um, but we're going to go to early access. Early access is such a huge part of our sort of design methodology. It's really important for us to get the game in front of our players for a prolonged period of time. So we really can get all of their wonderful feedback sort of crystallized into, you know, new decisions for the game. Uh, that's super important to us. Uh, we're currently planning on going into early access, hopefully early next year. We don't know exactly when yet, like it could be anywhere in there. You know, for a long time, we've been telling people it's like 70% likely to happen by, you know, by spring. Um, and that's probably still true. You know, we don't know exactly where it lands, but we'll be in early access for something like a year. It might be a little longer. It might be a little shorter. You know, we have a lot of time earmarked for specifically community engagement uh, and for all of the, the sort of wonderful design bits uh, that'll come out of our interactions with our player base. Uh, but we don't know exactly how much work that's going to be or any way to roadmap that work out until we actually have it in front of us, right? Uh, and we're, you know, we're incredibly lucky to be in a really sort of solid financial position. Uh, our partnership here with Kalu Knights on the game has made it really easy for us to sort of take the time we need to make sure the game is absolutely right uh, by the time we get to 1.0. But even then, uh, that's kind of a line in the sand for us. Uh, we, we fully intend to continue to support the game long-term post 1.0 uh, with, you know, all sorts of that will sort of help keep the game fresh and alive and give you know veteran players uh, more cool stuff to do and new players more reasons to check the game out you know we really want to continue to sort of push the game and push sort of live updates for the game for a long time that actually was uh, going to be my next question was did you have planned for dlc this time around yeah, you know, we never know. We never know if it's going to be in the form of DLC, free updates. I'm sure it'll end up being a mix of both. Uh, you know, the dream there is, you know, do so, so well that you can afford to just continue to make free content basically forever, right? So this is this is the Terraria model. And I say Terraria model <laughs> because you know, a game that basically is the equivalent of winning the lottery can't really be, like, referenced as a model in any, like, really sustainable, repeatable way. Like, sure the goal of sell so many copies that you have endless finance or you know financial funding to make more of the game like that's obviously 
that sounds great, right? Um, and if we get there, then yeah, we probably won't charge for much DLC. Um, but it may make a lot of sense for us to, you know, do some amount of free updates, some amount of DLC content, kind of like how we, uh, so with the first game, you know, we didn't do as much sort of post-release updating as we'd like to do for 30XX. You know, we did sort of three really major content patches, and then we added the two DLC characters, uh, and then just a couple of sort of polish and tweaky bits over time, uh, but not a whole lot of, like, additional content. And so that kind of is probably about what we have in mind. But again, uh, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to promise any amount of, uh, of course, you know, yeah. any, any balance there because we just don't know what that's going to look like until we have the numbers in front of us. And you know, the games industry is a spicy, volatile place. Uh, that, and we to don't put wanna, it mildly, yes. We're not in the business of pre-hatch chicken counting over here. We like our chickens well and hatched before we count them. Well, I have two comments back to back right now. Is uh, sure. the first is that I predict that by the time 30XX comes out, they'll Terraria will be calling it the 30XX model. So let's That's very sit on. very kind of you. <laughs> but also, uh, I finally died, uh, and I'm looking. That's your first shot. You literally just installed the thing. That was really great. Yes, I, this was, I just installed it. But I mean, like I said, I grew up playing Mega Man, so this is kind of, it's a, into a warm, like like a bike. Yeah, you, you pick up the, the, right. the specifics of each title, but you know, but yeah. I love, I love your jeering comment section. Is that going to be something <laughs> that is, that is robust? Or if I, am I going to be seeing a lot of the same uh, jeering comments? I hope you have a, a large pool to pull from. Yeah, that's definitely still the plan. Oh, good. That that makes me happy. So yeah, I don't know if if it's some of the ones like specifically from Twenty X necessarily stick around, but honestly, they still apply. They still fit pretty well. So we might see some revisions. We might see some new ones. We might even see some sequel feeling comments. We'll see. So oh, this is. I don't know how much time you actually have for me because I could. Uh, so I, I actually like... don't don't have it for a three o'clock today. I do have a three thirty. Uh, there's a little bit I need to get done before that three thirty, so I could I could go about another ten, fifteen minutes or so if you've got more questions. Well, yeah, you know what? I, I do have some questions, but I'll uh, pause on playing the game so I can concentrate on them. Like half the time I had my next question cocked in my mind that I'm like, oh, wait, but I got to get through this platforming section. And right, I kind right, of right. Uh, got distracted, which I guess is a good sign about your game. I think it is. So how uh, long have has Chris King been at Battery Staple Games? Like how long has the company been in existence? Uh, we started, you know, kind of depends on how you measure a little bit. Uh, day one of the 20X project was July 1, 2013, so a little over seven years ago now. It's kind of terrifying to think that I've spent the bulk of the last seven years basically making this this style of game. Uh, but, you know, I, I love it, and it's been really satisfying for me to see sort of the fan response to the work that we're doing. Uh, and so it feels like time very well spent for me. You know, we spent a uh, helping publish Jamestown Plus on Switch and PC uh, toward the end of last year. But, you know, definitely the lion's share of our time as a, as a team has been spent on 20 and 30XX. So I know you're never supposed to, uh, you know, say which of your children you love the most, but are you mm -hmm. Team Nina or Team Ace? Uh, you know, it depends on the game. Uh, I'm definitely Team Ace in 20XX, uh, but I really love kind of what's going on with both characters in the new game. And I think it's going to have to wait until we actually sort of release and we have a better feel for the full the full ability sets for me to really make that decision. Uh, also Team Ace. So uh, based on just how this is obviously like the love letter to certain genre, uh, series of old, 
if you had to pick your favorite OG Mega Man game and your favorite X game, what would you go with? Good. Uh, it's been a while since I've answered this, and it's been a while since I've revisited some of the NES ones. The typical answer for me is Mega Man 3 and Mega Man X4. Uh, some of the later entrants in the, in the sort of the original OG Mega Man series are also quite, quite good. Uh, I think pretty highly of, of 9, 10, and 11, actually. I really uh, like 11. It felt, especially considering the gap between 10 and 11, it felt really solid. Yep, I think they made I think they made clean artistic choices. Uh, I think they did a really stellar job with the weapon system in the game. Uh, the Mega Man sort of power set in 11 feet, pretty satisfying to play with. Uh, I think they've done that. I think they've done that quite well. Uh, and I hope, you know, I sort of hope we start seeing more Mega Man stuff again soon. You know, we... I tuned into the uh, you know the Capcom showcase from uh, the other day, hoping to hear some new Mega Man-ish stuff, uh, and They're didn't yet. Down. But you know they they may be working on X9 as we speak. We have no idea. Um, I would love to see it. I have to say this, your answer makes me really happy because a Mega Man Three is my favorite of the OGs, but Mega Man X4 is my favorite X because I felt it was the first time Zero truly shined. Correct. Oh. And and exactly why I feel the way I do. You know, you can play through most of X3 with, you know, Zero if you're good enough not to die, but, like, 10-year-old me wasn't about to pull that off. <laughs> and I knew there was a reason that you were my new best friend, Chris. I, I just... Now it's solidified. Fantastic. Well, you know what? I know you, you do have stuff to do, so I'm going to end on... Uh... Two questions for you. One yeah, is uh, where you get to promote yourself. Can you please just let everyone know where they can follow you, the company 30XX, all that fun stuff? I always forget to bring this up on my own, so I really appreciate it when someone does for me. Uh, so the best way is for you to hear more stuff about 30XX uh, if you want to make sure you're sort of in the loop, uh, both as we approach early access early next year and as we approach uh, our sort of smaller closed alpha at the end of this year, uh, is to follow us on Twitter at uh, batterystaple underscore G. It's underscore G because I'm really bad at social media. Uh, you can join the Discord at uh, discord.gg slash 20xx. Uh, it's 20xx because you're not allowed to have multiple vanity links for the same server, and we sort of share Discord communities between the first game and the second game. Uh, you can follow and wishlist the game on Steam, so you'll hear all of our Steam announcements. You'll get notifications when the game uh, finally becomes available for, for purchase and early access. Uh, and yeah, you can visit batterystaplegames.com, but it's really just going to point you toward all of those other things I just mentioned. So Twitter, Discord, Steam, follow us, do all that good stuff. That's definitely the, the best way to hear more about what we're up to with 30XX. I just did it myself, so all the other kids follow my example. Woohoo! But... My last question is the question I end every interview with, and it's the most important. It's also sometimes the most difficult, so prepare yourself mentally. All right, I'm working. Hang on a second. All right, go ahead. If you had to choose in your heart of hearts, cake or pie? Oh, a pie, 100%. That's my boy. Like a nice, nice either, like apple or like pecan pie like i'm super on board it's not even it's not even that tough for me i'm not a big cake person in general so it's it's not too tough of a choice thankfully well you know what i ha- i i agree with you wholeheartedly and this is what a great way to cap it all off right yeah really really lets you feel like uh you know we're on the same page here it's nice we are i mean in between Mega Man choices and cake versus pie like we're vibing i love it mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much, uh, Chris King of Battery Staple Games, uh, creators of 30XX. This has been a delight. I'm very happy to finally have gotten my hands on it since I missed out on it at PAX. 
just thank you so much for taking the time to. Yeah, it's been and a pleasure, Matt. Thanks so much for having me. We look forward to uh, covering it in early access all the way up to big boy launch time. Oh, man, we should just we should stop calling it 1.0. We should just start calling it big boy launch time. I mean, feel free. You, that is my gift to you. So <laughs> feel kind. free to run with it. You don't even have to give me royalty checks. It's fine. <laughs> right on. Yeah, thanks so much for your time. This was fun.